So today we're going to continue our sermon series, and now for something completely different. All this month we are looking at looking at humor in the parables and the stories and the teachings in the ministry of Jesus. One of the things that we've been following throughout this series is a study that was done, a great big study of tens of thousands of jokes that was done by a psychiatrist named Richard Wiseman. We discovered that Richard Wiseman came up with three things. He found there are three things that people really like in a joke. One of the things that people like in a joke is the element of surprise. We love when a joke catches us off guard and surprises us. Another thing that people like in a joke he discovered is when somebody is made to look foolish. We love, we love jokes where we get to laugh at somebody who does something foolish, something silly. Before we learn about the third thing that Richard Wiseman discovered in his study, in his study of tens of thousands of jokes, in his great big study of humor, we're going to hear another parable from the Gospel of Luke. Listen now. Listen now to these words of Jesus from Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. Jesus said this. And then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of God for us, the people of God. In 1943, the great African-American author Zora Neale Hurston wrote an essay in 1943, you know that the, the world was in the grips, was in the depths of a long and terrible world war. It was a moment when thousands and thousands of people were dying, millions and millions of people were dying, and there was no end in sight. It looked like that war was going to go on forever. And in that painful and that scary moment, the great African-American author Zora Neale Hurston, she wrote this essay, and it is a brilliant essay, it is a beautiful essay. She begins her essay by speaking directly to white Americans. And she says, listen, she says, for a long time, many of you who think of yourselves as white have not considered those of us who were brought over from Africa to be truly American. She said, but we are now. We are as American as anybody ever possibly could be. We have given America our labor. We have given America our blood. And now, she says, now in this painful and desperate moment, there is one more gift that we have to offer to you. We, it is time we introduce you to John the Conqueror. Now John the Conqueror is a figure from African-American folklore. In her essay, Zora Neale Hurston says that African-Americans enslaved on plantations have been telling stories of this figure, John the Conqueror, for decades and even for centuries. In her essay, she calls John the Conqueror, she calls him High John. And she says, Hi, John would always show up wherever and whenever things were at their worst. She said, he might be in Texas when the lash falls across somebody's back in Alabama, but before long, Hi, John would show up in that place where people were hurting. She says, in that moment of silence, when people were feeling all of that pain and all of that fear, eventually somebody would break the silence. Somebody would say, but what about Hi, John? Wasn't he a character? 
And then people would begin to tell stories about High John. People would talk about the tricks that he was always playing on the master. People would talk about this man named High John whose spirit was never broken. People would talk about the way he always got the best of people who tried to get the best of him. And as they told these stories about the tricks that High John would play, people would begin to smile and then they would begin to laugh even as their backs were still bleeding. People would laugh because of High John. Zora Neale Hurston explains who High John is, and then she begins sharing, she begins telling some of the stories that people would tell about High John. This is one of the stories that she tells in her essay. She says, there was one plantation that was particularly brutal, and the master there was particularly mean. And she said, because of that, High John spent a lot of time at that plantation. He spent a lot of time watching and observing, and then finally one day he called all the people who were enslaved on that plantation together under the hickory tree, and he looked at them and he said, I think I've got it figured out. He said, I know what we need. What we need is a song. It's a song that nobody has ever heard before. It's a song that has never been found by anyone before, but we are going to find it. We're going to go on a quest. We're going to go on a journey, and we are going to find that song, and we are going to bring it back here. And the people, they looked at John, and they said, what do you mean we're going on a journey? You know what the master does to anybody who tries to leave. How can we possibly go on a quest? And John looked at the people and he said, that's easy. He said, here's what you do. When we go, you just leave your tired old bodies behind. And then the master won't even know that we're gone. And then the people said, but John, we can't go on a journey. We haven't got good traveling clothes. All we've got is these raggedy rags that we wear. What are we going to wear on a journey like you're talking about? And John said, that's easy too. He said, you don't know it, but you have already got all the fine clothes you need. They've been stored deep down inside you, waiting for just the right moment. All you have to do is reach down inside of you, and you will find that you have got fine clothes to wear. Just reach down inside of you and pull them out. And so the people did. They reached down inside themselves, and they pulled out those fine clothes and they discovered that they did. They did have good traveling clothes to wear. And then John said, now we're going to need instruments so we can have music on our journey. And they said, where are we going to find instruments? And he said, the same place you found the clothes. Just reach down inside yourself and pull them out. And so the people reached down inside themselves and they pulled out the instruments. And then John said, all right, now that you are dressed and ready to go, wait here while I arrange for transportation. So John went off and the people waited there under the hickory tree. And after a moment, they heard the sound of wings and they looked up and here came High John flying on the back of a giant black crow. The crow was so large that one wing was in the sunrise and the other was dusting off the evening star. All of the people climbed on the back of that crow and they flew off. They flew across the sea and they had all sorts of adventures looking high and low for this song, this special song that they were going to bring back with them as a treasure. They went even all the way down to the very hot place and they poked around in the corners and the closets in the hot place. But one day, as they were down there in the hot place, High John got in trouble when he turned down the heat and he threw some barbecue over the coals. The devil didn't like that. The devil got mad at High John. But John said, listen here, let's just see who the people want running this place. Let's just see whose way the people prefer. Let's have an election to find out who's going to be chief high devil. And so they had an election. And just before the people voted, John passed out all of that mouth-watering barbecue. And he easily won the election. And once he was in charge of the hot place, he made some changes. So it wasn't so bad. He turned down the heat and he made it so people had barbecue every day. He made it so nice that down there that his traveling companions wanted to stay, but he said, no, we gotta go. We gotta keep going until we find that song. And so they went, they went to a place where there was a mountain. 
went to the top of the mountain. At the top of the mountain, there was a golden staircase. They climbed the golden staircase, and at the top of the golden staircase, they found the pearly gates, and those gates swung open wide, and they were welcomed right on into heaven. They were given beautiful new robes to wear. They were given instruments of gold, and the people had a great time walking up and down and exploring the streets of heaven and playing their golden instruments, and then they got a message. The old maker was ready to see them. And so they went to see the old maker. The old maker called them in right up to heaven's workbench. And the old maker said, I have something that I've been working on. I have something that I've made just for you. And then the old maker gave them a song, a special kind of song, a song without words, a song that they could change depending on how they were feeling or what their situation was. The old maker gave them that song and they took the song and they started to sing it and they started to play it. And their hearts were filled with joy. But just then they heard a voice calling their name. It was the master calling them back to the plantation. And they looked up and suddenly they were under that hickory tree again. And the master said, you all have been under that tree taking a break for too long. Now it's time for you to get back on into the fields. Get out there and start chopping that cotton. So they went back out into the fields and they were feeling sad. They were feeling bad. But John looked at them and he said, don't feel bad. He said, you have got a treasure greater than anything on this whole plantation. You have got a treasure that the master doesn't even know about. And let's keep it that way. Let's keep it a secret so the master will always look at us and wonder, why are we smiling? And why are we laughing? And the people started to think about their treasure. They thought about those fine robes that were waiting for them. They thought about those instruments of gold. And as they thought about the treasures that they had been given, they started to smile. And the heat seemed a little bit less hot. And the work seemed a little bit less backbreaking. And then as they were smiling, they began to sing. They started singing bits and pieces of that song that they had been given. And as they sang, they began to laugh. And Zora Neale Hurston says, and the laughter, it carried them through. It is, it is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful essay. Zora Neale Hurston tells that story so much better than I ever could. And of course, it's easy to see exactly, exactly what Zora Neale Hurston was trying to say way back in 1943. That scary moment, in that desperate moment, she was saying to her fellow Americans, she was saying, listen, some of us have had to suffer in the way that the rest of you haven't had to suffer. Some of us have felt the pain that the rest of you have not experienced. Some of us have had to hope in the way that some of you have never had to hope. And in all of that suffering and all of that pain and all of that hoping, we have learned something. We have gathered a wisdom that now we can share with you in this scary and desperate moment. Here is what we have learned. We have learned that it is possible to laugh even in the most painful of circumstances. We have learned that it is possible to laugh even at the things that scare us the most. And we have discovered that when we do that, when we laugh at the things that scare us the most, the laughter has the power to carry us through. That's what Zora Neale Hurston was trying to teach America back in 1943. And she was right. She was right. We love to laugh at the very things that scare us the most. In his study on humor, Richard Wiseman discovered that the third thing people love to have in a joke, the third kind of joke that we love that makes us laugh is a joke that lets us laugh at things that are ordinarily scary. Have you ever noticed how many jokes take place with somebody standing right outside the pearly gates? There's all of these jokes about somebody who dies and then goes and meets with St. Peter right out front of the pearly gates. Why are there so many jokes like that? It's because this allows us to laugh at things that are usually scary. It allows us to laugh at death 
and judgment and heaven and hell. We love to laugh. We love to laugh at the things that scare us the most. When we do that, those things, they lose just a little bit of the power that they have over us. Maybe this is why Jesus incorporates this kind of humor into his parables. In this morning's scripture reading, we have this parable that Jesus tells. In this parable, there is a wealthy man who owns a vineyard. This man isn't Jewish, he's Roman, he's not poor, he's wealthy. We discovered last week that there are many people like this in the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus are filled with wealthy, absentee landlords. People who make money from the land, but they don't work the land. They're not connected to the land. They don't live on the land. Here we have another one of those figures in a parable of Jesus. There was a man who owned a vineyard, but he didn't work the vineyard. He had a gardener for that. And one day this man, he went to his gardener and he said, I have decided I want to get into the fig business. I want you to go off in the corner of my vineyard and I want you to plant me a fig tree and I'm going to come back one year from now and I expect that you will have cultivated that tree to the point where its boughs are ready to break from all the figs that are dripping off of it. And so the wealthy man, he went away, the gardener planted a fig tree. One year later, the master returned to the vineyard and he went right to the corner where the tree was and he looked at the tree and he saw that there was no fruit on the branches of the tree and he was disappointed. Well, the gardener said, just wait. Just give it another year. Sometimes these things take time. And so the master went away. And he came back one year later. He went right up to that fig tree there in the vineyard. And he looked up and he saw that once again there were no figs on the branches of the tree. And this time he was disappointed. He was frustrated. But the gardener said, hold on. Just give it time. Sometimes you got to have a little faith. And so the master went away and he came back again. A third year he came back and he looked up at that tree. And he saw that once again there were no figs on the branches of that fig tree. And this time he was angry. He said, he said to the gardener, it's time to cut that tree down and throw it in the fire. Why is it wasting soil? He got all red in the face. And now here is the part where you're going to have to take my word for it. When Jesus told this story, at this point in the story, the people who were listening to Jesus preach would have been smiling. And some of them would have been giggling because they know something that we don't know. And they know something that the, the landowner doesn't know. They know that the gardener is playing a trick on the man who owns the vineyard. Because you see, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, way back in the book of Leviticus, when God gave Moses the commandments as the people were marching from Egypt into the promised land, God gave the people in the book of Leviticus this commandment. God said, when you plant a fruit tree in the land that I'm about to give you, for the first three years, you shall not eat the fruit of that tree. For the first three years after you plant that tree, that fruit shall be forbidden. And so the people listening to this parable, as Jesus was telling it, they would have understood exactly what was happening in that garden. They would have understood that every year, just before the landlord, just before the master came to check the fig tree, the gardener snuck out there in the middle of the night and he pulled all the figs down off of the branches of that tree and he threw them on the compost heap. Why? So the master wouldn't inadvertently break the commandments that God had given to the people. For three years, the sneaky gardener has been going out and stealing all the figs off that tree and tossing them into the pile. People would have been laughing a little bit. They would have been giggling when Jesus told this part of the story. And then, and then the master, who didn't know what was going on, he was furious. He said, cut down that tree. He said, throw it in the fire. But the gardener, he said, hold on. He said, give it just one more year. Wait just 
one more year. Let me fertilize it. Let me put some manure around it. I'm going to take good care of this tree for one more year. And if you come back next year and there's no fruit on the branches of this tree, then you yourself can take the axe and chop it down and we will throw it into the fire together. And at this point, the people who were listening to Jesus tell this story would have been rolling in the aisles. They would have been falling out of their pews. They would have been laughing to bust their gut. Why? Because they know exactly what the gardener is up to. Because in the book of Leviticus, just after God says, for the first three years, you shall not eat the fruit of that tree. The next thing God says, and in the fourth year, all of the fruit from that tree shall be given as an offering unto the Lord. And so they know what's going to happen. For one year, the gardener is going to pour all of these resources into that tree. One year later, it is going to be dripping with figs. And just before the master comes to check on the tree, the gardener is going to go out there. He's going to pull all of those figs off of that tree. He's going to take them to the temple and offer them to God as a sacrifice. And then the master is going to return. He's going to go out there. He's going to see all of those empty branches. He himself is going to take an axe and chop down that tree and throw it in the fire just at the very moment when it would have started turning him a prophet. Just at the very moment when he finally could have started to enjoy the fruits of that tree, he himself is going to throw it into the fire. All of that effort, all of that labor, all of that energy would have gone into the worship of the Lord and none of it would have gone into the master's pocket, all because of the cleverness of that sneaky gardener. When Jesus told this story, people would have been laughing. They would have been rolling in the aisles at the tricks that this clever gardener played on the master and they would have understood the point of the story. The point is that God is on the side of the oppressed. God is on the side of the downtrodden. God turns their pain into laughter. God turns cruelty and greed into worship and praise. They would have understood the message of the story and they would have laughed and as they laughed, their pain would have been decreased a little bit and the, the masters in their lives, their landlords, their bosses, even the Roman Empire itself, just for a moment, all of those things would have seemed just a little bit less scary. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would help us, that you would teach us, that you would give us the ability to laugh, even at the things that frighten us. God, teach us to laugh at empires. Teach us to laugh at tyrants. Teach us to laugh at the powers and the principalities of this world. Teach us to laugh even at death itself, that your kingdom might come in our hearts, our laughter might heal the world. God and our laughter carry us through. In Jesus we pray. Amen.